Um, well, I'm, I'm excited to, to be sharing this morning. Um, a lot of people said that uh, Steve did amazing when he spoke last week. I got all these texts and emails. I'm like, oh, I don't need to come back, okay? But uh, no, I couldn't stay away. You couldn't keep me away. But I'm so thankful for um, staff that can also share the gospel uh, as well as he does. So uh, let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you for this Sunday, this beautiful day to be with brothers and sisters. God, I just ask that you would come in our midst. Lord, I can't do this without you. None of us can do this without you. We need you. We need your presence. We have such a high value for your presence. So Lord, move in us. Uh, may your word speak to us. Lord, may you transform us as we look into your glory, God. And uh, may Albuquerque be saved because of what you're doing in this city, Lord. We just speak life over this city in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, obviously it's Advent season. You see all the gifts. You see all the preparation that we're doing for uh, the celebration of our Savior's birth. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I could just preach, um, you know, the, 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 the Advent uh, and, the, and the story of Christ will never change. And so, you know, you've probably will hear these stories for the rest of your life. And hopefully you do. Hopefully churches continue to preach them. But as a preacher, it's hard. It's like, what can I say differently than every other pastor or every other year of this season that you've heard? And um, the story is never going to change. But I do think that God does highlight some things for us that really can speak to our lives as we appreciate all that goes into the celebration and the understanding and the revelation of the coming of our Lord. You see, Jesus has always and, and God has always been preparing for the coming of Christ. Um, he's the preparation that goes into these things. You know, if you just look at it at a timeline, you might just see blips of like, OK, this is the incarnation of his birth. This is when he started his ministry. This is when he was crucified. This is when he was resurrected. This is when he ascended. This is when the Holy Spirit was poured out. You could look at those things and think they're, you know, standalone occasions. But the reality is the whole process in between was preparation. And as soon as the fall of man had happened, as soon as sin came in the world and there was a chasm between God and man and, 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 and changed the whole dynamic of our relationship with him, God started preparing. And, uh, and, and we, we see this in, in Genesis 3.15. Uh, last night, I always call my Saturday night message my rough draft. If you come Saturday night, it's going to be a little different. It's going to be a little less... Um, uh, formulated, but uh, I gave I gave John scriptures I was going to speak last night, and then I added like ten more. And so, but today I gave him more. So anyway, but in in, in three in, in Genesis three fifteen, God uh, is talking to the snake, the serpent, uh, uh, Satan himself. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Who is this prophesying but Jesus Christ who's going to crush Satan? He might be crucified, but ultimately he will overcome sin and death itself. And, there's, and that was just the beginning of the preparation of the coming of the Messiah. And while, uh, you know, and now 2,000 years have passed and um, Christ is a, um, 
actually more than 2,000 years had passed, and, 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 and there's some more preparation that's going to take place. When we look at Luke 1, you have this awesome story of this old uh, priest. He's, he's probably uh, what some commentators think would be around 60 years of age, him and uh, his wife, Elizabeth. It was um, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And, uh, and, and we have to understand what's happening. Zechariah, it's his turn. He drew the lot to actually burn incense in the temple, which was a great honor for people of that time. Um, there was way more priests than there were services uh, to be performed. And so um, if, you, if you read uh, InterVarsity Press, New, Te- New Testament commentary, background commentary by John Keener, he'll, he'll tell you that there was probably around 18,000 priests at that time. Of Zechariah. And so Zechariah didn't like do this every day. It was probably like once in a lifetime moment for him. He and his wife were righteous. They were, they were right before God. They kept the commandments. Of course, they weren't pure. They weren't like sinless uh, like Jesus was. But, but they, they, they were, they were uh, lovers of the Lord. And, uh, and, and this was a high honor for him to be able to go into the temple, burn incense before the altar. And what happens in this momentous time is he sees this crazy angel standing next to him in the altar in front of him in the alt- at the altar. And this angel starts prophesying to him. Thank you, John. Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God and the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot, meaning by chance, to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. And Zacharias, some translations say Zechariah, was troubled when he saw the angel and fear gripped him. Let's keep going. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias. For your petition has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son. This is so important because his wife and him were barren for, for their whole lives. And, um, you know, in that culture, it was uh, a shameful thing to be barren. Uh, it had a con- connotation that, um, that it could have been sin was present. But most likely people didn't think Zechariah and Elizabeth were in sin because it said that they, they were good people. Um, but yet they had this issue of barrenness. They wanted a son. They wanted a child. And they couldn't have one. So now this angel is saying, you will bear a son. Now, Elizabeth and Zacharias probably prayed many, many years for a child. As a priest, as good standing people, this is a high honor to have a child, and especially in this society, and I still think it is today. And so, and so they've had tons and tons of prayers going up to have a child. And now the angel saying that this is going to be answered. And not only this... You will give him the name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be the great sight of the Lord and he will drink no wine or liquor and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb and he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. This is awesome. And of course, Zacharias 
will respond so well to the Lord. Uh, we'll keep reading. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, how will I know this for certain? For my, I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Now, this is an honest question that Zacharias has. But remember, Zacharias knows the story of God. He knows Ab the story of Abraham. Doesn't this story sound a little familiar? It's happened before in history where God will show up and do a miraculous thing. Like in Abraham and Sarah, who are advanced in years, who are barren. And, and God says, you're going to have a child. And then, of course, we know the story that they try to do it in their own strength with some other, uh, ish, you know, other uh, avenues with... Um, uh, oh my goodness, Hagar. And, uh, and of course that didn't work out. And so, so, uh, they finally submit to God's will and God brings them uh, a son. So Zacharias says, how is this even possible? Now, this is, this is kind of an interesting question because it's almost the same question that Mary asks. We'll, we'll see this in a little bit, but the angel's response to, um, Zacharias is this. I am the I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place because you did not believe my words. Wow. See, I think Zachariah should have known better. This momentous time in his life, this answered prayer that comes to him. And when the word of the Lord finally comes and finally is delivered to him, the only thing that fills his heart is fear and doubt, not faith. And the Lord's promise doesn't return void. His word doesn't return void. So it's going to happen, but he's not going to be able to talk until it does. Interesting, isn't it? Then we go into uh, Mary's interaction with the angel. This angel, three months later, is going to now appear uh, into, uh, to, to Mary. And we'll find that in um, Luke. Um, the, the angel appears to her and uh, he says, Behold, you will conceive in your room and bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. And he'll be great and he'll be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of, of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Now, Mary is from the lineage of David. Joseph is from the lineage of David, which means that they knew historically that the Messiah would come through someone in their family. They don't know when in history the Messiah would come, but they know that it would have to come through the lineage of David, where Mary and Joseph were both of. But the thing is, Mary and Joseph, I'm, I'm sure as children would probably think, well, God, if, if you want the Messiah to come through my lineage, I, I'd be willing. I'm sure as they grew up, they probably realized that they weren't people of significance, even though they were part of the lineage of David. They didn't have wealth. They weren't a part of any royalty. They didn't live in a major city. They lived in Podunk, Nazareth. Like this, this little town of Nazareth is not where you would stop to, to, you know, there's places that you, have you ever like traveled on the car? I mean, this happens in New Mexico, actually in, in Texas, um, you're driving like for ages, you know, before you hit a next, another city and I'll gauge, I'll be like, is this city big enough for me to stop at? 
Is it just like a stoplight and a, and a sketchy gas station? Or is it like, you know, have some sort of population? Because there's places I'll just drive past, and then there's places I will stop at. Nazareth is a place you wouldn't stop at. You would just walk past or drive past if, if you could drive. Uh, I, 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 I've experienced this in my own ministry. Like I, I, I remember a, a wonderful man. I love this man. He's a mighty man of God. His name is Gerald Conley. He's a pastor. And uh, he calls the ministry. And actually, Ruth answered. And she, he, he, he ministered to you, Ruth, right? And, and you were in tears. Do you remember this when Gerald called you at Global? Oh, okay. You called him and then he ministered to you. Okay. She was just checking. Okay. I mess up all the stories with it. But anyway. Long story short, they get connected and she connects me with this man and he's such a godly man and he impressed, impressed me so much. And I just said, Gerald, you know, he said, would you come speak at my church? I said, Gerald, of course I'll come speak at your church. I'll go, I'll, no, no, no worries. You know, just we'll, we'll put it on the calendar. I'll swing by. And I didn't realize how far out of the way this church is. Like three flights later, I land in a major city, Atlanta airport. He picks me up and he drives me uh, to another city where we have lunch. That city is called Dublin. And that city is, a, is like a, a small city, but they have like Chick-fil-A there. So we ate Chick-fil-A. And, uh, and then he's, I'm like, are we here yet? No, we're not here yet, Paul. Then we have to drive to a really, like it has one stoplight, this, this city we drive to, called Eastman, Georgia. And you, you would not be able to, I don't even know if they list the name of it on the map. Like you wouldn't be able to find it. You have to know, you have to know where to get there. You know, when, when he picked me up, I said, where, you know, how far is it? He said, oh, it's just down the road. You know, in the South, just down the road means something totally different than in the Northeast. If you say something's just down the road where I'm from in PA, it means it's like five, 10 minutes away. It might be a few roads, but it's just, it's just down the road. But if you say it's just down the road in the south, if someone says that to me now, I'm like, how far down that road? Because Gerald taught me that. Because I said, Gerald, we've been driving for an hour. You said it was just down the road. He said, yeah, it's on the same road. It's just down there. And I was like, okay. So, but, but. I know what it's like. And so, so for, for, for the Messiah to come through someone like Mary is just unlikely because she's from Nazareth. She's this young girl. Depending on the commentators and the theologians, they think she could be 12, 13, 16 years old. She's young. Back then, that was common. If you were of age to bear child, then you would get married, be betrothed at, at a young age. And, and so this, this is what was potentially happening. And so, um, uh, you know, I love the picture that we're seeing here. God is preparing for the Messiah to come. And first he goes to an old, an older in age couple who probably think that they're winding down in their calling and in their years. And then the same moment goes to a younger girl, a younger man who have this whole future ahead of them, but they probably don't think of anything significant. But God is using two different generations at the same moment to bring his kingdom. And I think this prophesies to us, this church and this city, because we have people who might think that the majority of their life is behind them and that they're supposed to wind down. I don't think that's true. I think you still have a calling on your life. 
just like Zachariah and Elizabeth did. It said, this move of God, you're going to be a part of. And even when you're young, you're a teenager, maybe you're, you're, you're in youth and you're, you're just coming up and you think, well, I'm just too young for God to use me. What a lie. This move of God is not going to just involve one generation. The move of God that's coming to the city of Albuquerque through many churches, hopefully all churches, not just this church, but every church is going to be through every generation. Just don't have that doubt in your heart that says, how can this be, God? This, if you're of that older generation, know better. I, 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 I love Acts 2.17. Let me just read it to you and remind you. Oh, you, you have it up there. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind and all your sons, your sons, your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. I want to encourage you, uh, older men and women, whatever age you think that is. Because I'm 40, I think I'm old and then older people tell me I'm not old. And then my teenage children tell me I am old. So I don't know what I am. So whatever you, Dr. Randy Clark used to tell me, old is only 10 years older than you. You'll never get old. It's just, anyway. Because this is the heart of God. That wherever you're at in life, that God will use you, that God will, 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 the move of God is not just for a certain generation or a certain person. It's actually for all of us. He's just looking for our yes. He, he, he knew that Zechariah and Elizabeth had a yes in their heart in their prayers. But when the prayer was getting answered, they wasn't so sure if, if this was even possible. And then we have, we go back to um, uh, Mary and in verse one, verse 38, Mary, uh, uh, well, she says, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? It's almost the same question. But the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And what is Mary's answer? Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. Be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now at this time, Mary arose. Why did she rise? Because faith filled her heart and she knew. She went with haste to a hill country, to a city of Judah, where her sister, where her um, uh, aunt or cousin Elizabeth is. And so, um, and when she meets her in verse 40 through verse 43, it says that she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it came about when Elizabeth Heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed among women are you, and blessed is the fruit of your woman, of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? Wow. You know, um, there's multiple. There's two extremes, I think, oftentimes when we talk about Mary. I, um, I've gr I grew up Catholic. I, you know, I told you I'm Italian. They pop you out Catholic. 
And, uh, and so, boom, you're Catholic. And then uh, they kind of raise you Catholic. And my parents got saved in the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. And then they um, transitioned to Pentecostals when I was uh, after my Holy Communion. And um, uh, they actually made it that when Paul had his Holy Communion, then we'll convert, you know, transfer all the way to be Pentecostal Christians. And so we did that. And, 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 and some have Mary in, in such a high regard, it's almost like they treat her as God. You know, they pray to her, they, uh, they elevate her to this level that uh, is, is more than human. Um, and, and, and so there's, there can be some error in, in how they treat and consider Mary. But then you go on the other side of the scope and Protestantism. And I've heard some extremes like, yeah, Mary was just a tool. And I'm like, whoa. There's a happy medium here, folks. She wasn't just a tool. She wasn't just, you know, this simple, you know, the, the reality is there was a grace on her life that God extended to her for sure. But she was someone that 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 God had waited for all humanity until Mary was, you know, like he picked her out of everyone. He picked her. And so, she, of course, she's the mother of Jesus. She's the. Uh, person who bears the son of God. I mean, this is, this is a wonderful person who said yes. And I'm so thankful for her yes and her obedience in the scriptures and in history that paved the way for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ to, for God incarnate. And I, and I, and I, you know, just as a, a, a nod to, to life, I mean, I, I know we, we've been in prayer as a staff about the Supreme Court rulings. Uh, and that God would would uh, that the the justices would align their heart with God when it comes to the uh, 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 the Roe versus Wade and the and the and the gift of life that children are even in the womb. And uh, and I love reading this this portion where where Mary greets Elizabeth and guess what the baby leaps in her womb. There's a live baby in there. You know, Joseph, he, he has this also conundrum because, you know, his, you know, uh, he finds out that Mary's pregnant. He's engaged. He's, he's, he's not married to her. He's engaged. They're, they're, they're betrothed. They're, they're supposed to get married. And, uh, here she's, she's going to have a baby bump and he's like, I got to help her out. I'm going to like, I'm not going to marry her because, you know, he obviously doesn't believe that at this moment that God has conceived, you know, that God had passed over her and that, that, uh, there, that there isn't an earthly father. Okay. And so he, he's like, I'm just gonna, you know, be an honorable man and try to silently cancel this betrothal. And, and it says that an angel comes to him in a dream. Why don't you pull up that scripture? It's in Matthew. It says, but when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And what was Joseph's response? I, I love Joseph because he doesn't even have a question. It says, and Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded to him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. 
and he called his name Jesus. All this preparation required humanity to have yeses in their heart, but not just any yes, a yes like Joseph's yes, a yes that is immediate, a yes that is, see, there's, a diff, there's two different yeses you could have. Do you know this? There's yes, and then there's yes. What are you talking about? Let me explain. I might have shared this story before. I can't remember. I think pastors get mixed up what stories they share. So if it's a repeat, just pull the, pull the point out of it. When Ruth and I uh, got married, I, have, I had twins. Uh, they were nine years old. And uh, Giovanni and Juliana is their names. They, they were here over the summer. They're on the East Coast. They'll be coming as soon as school's done. But um, when Ruth got married to me, uh, she told my twins, she said, you know, you have a wonderful mother. Your mother loves you, and she'll always be your mother. And uh, she said, you know, I'm, I, I, uh, I, I don't like the connotation stepmom, but, uh, but you can call me bonus mom. I'll never replace your mom, but you can call me bonus mom. And uh, they had this wonderful relationship. They still to this day. And my twins love her, and she loves them. And, and, uh, and I remember um, when uh, my son and, and daughter were uh, with us one of the, one of the weekends, and I'm, uh, I'm encountering the trash can. And, and I have this thing where I don't like to waste trash. I don't like to, you know, uh, the trash doesn't, doesn't get taken out when it's flush. That would be a waste. It's a waste. You, you know, you got to put trash on trash, and, and it only needs to be taken out when the trash falls off. And it's like Jenga. It's like if you can put it on there and walk away and it doesn't fall, it's not your job. It's not your job. Someone else has got to do it. So, you know, I'm doing this thing. I'm trying to balance stuff on the trash. It's not working. So I'm like, oh, man, I got to take the trash out. And then this epiphany came to me. I have nine-year-old kids. They can carry trash. So my son's watching TV. I forget what my daughter was doing. But my son, Giovanni, I told him. I said, hey, Gio. I said, Take the trash out. The trash is full. I need you to take it out. He said, okay, dad. And he just kept watching TV. I said, Giovanni, take the trash out. He said, I'll, I'll do it. And just sat there. I said, Giovanni, I want you to take the trash out. Gio, come take the trash out. He said, okay. And he got up and he was like watching TV while he's walking to the, to the kitchen. And my wife, God bless her, she's sitting right there. She stopped and she said, Gio, delayed obedience is disobedience. That struck me. How many times do I say yes to God and do nothing? I say yes to God and be like, how could you ever do this, God? I don't know how you're ever going to do this. And sit on my hands. See, there's two different types of yeses. There's yes that says yes to God when he calls you to do something. And there's the yes where you wake up immediately and you do what God tells you to. I'm so thankful for Mary who had an immediate yes. I'm thankful for even Zacharias who came around after having his mouth shut. I wonder how many times I've doubted God so much that he shut some things down and I had to watch him come through because I just didn't have the own. He's like, you're not going to get in the way of this one, Paul. You know. But Joseph, 
and Mary just this yes in their heart to do what God says. Why don't you stand? Just as God prepared for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he's preparing us for the move that's going to happen in this city, in this state. He's preparing the whole city, not just us, our church, but I believe that there's a lot of churches that are going to be a part of this. But he needs our yes. There's so much stuff that God wants to do in your life, in your family, in your work. But he needs your yes. He needs you to say, God, be it unto me according to your will. I'll go wherever you say to go. I'll do whatever you say to do. I'll say whatever you say to say. This is a life laid down for Jesus. May Mary and Joseph be our example of what it is to follow God. Even though we might seem like we're the least that God could use. He gets the glory. When God uses someone like Mary, someone like Joseph, can nothing good come out of Nazareth? God gets the glory. Wow, Jesus. You weren't born in a palace amongst kings and queens. You are born in a manger amongst a poor young girl who said yes and changed the world. A family who produced according to scripture the greatest prophet of since Elijah John the Baptist used this older couple that probably thought that their life was winding down that were at inside a temple thinking Man, I got a shot to burn incense in the temple. This is once in a lifetime. This is so amazing. I, I can't believe it. This is probably the pinnacle of my life. And God says, nope. At this pinnacle is actually where I'm going to show you an answer to a prayer that you've been praying your whole life. Because it's now the time that God's going to move. So here you got God using two extreme generations to change the world. He wants to use you too. Why don't you close your eyes? Father, I just thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you're combing the world, looking for those whose hearts are loyal to you so you can show yourself strong. God, I thank you for all the people who said yes so that you could move in this world. Christ, so that you could come. Lord, I pray that you would help us in our yes. That we wouldn't just say yes and drag our feet or sit on our hands or have doubt in our heart, but we would say yes, be it according to you and your word, what you want to do in my life. Because I have a hope and I have a future and I believe what you're going to do is going to change this city and this state. We love you, Lord. 